this morning, I believe God has um, just put a, a word on my heart, and uh, it's such an honor to be here. If you would turn, if you would turn to Revelation chapter two, and uh, we're going to be looking at two two portions of Scripture: Revelation two, and then Luke chapter ten. We're going to be looking at two two places. In Revelation two, verse one, I'm going to be reading from the ESV. It says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. In the NLT, it says, you don't love me or each other as you did at first, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Verse 5 says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen... Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, to the one who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And then if you rewind a little bit and go to Luke chapter 10, Luke 10, verse 38. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, Luke 10, 38, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And her sister Mary sat, welcomed her into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he, what Jesus taught. But Martha was distracted, distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. And she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work, says every big sister or big brother to their (laughs) siblings who aren't helping. Isn't it unfair? But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. We're going to pray and jump in. Lord, we thank you for your word. We honor your word. God, we thank you that your word, it changes us. It is powerful. And this morning, we come with ears ready to hear what you speak. God, I pray that you would, you would use me to communicate what you're speaking in a clear way. God, we, we humble ourselves before you. God, we're desperate to hear you. And God, I pray that this morning, wherever everybody is at, that God, you'd meet them where they're at. God, that those who don't know you, we pray that they would encounter you this morning. And those who have been weary, let them be encouraged this morning. God, we love you and invite you to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, love makes you do some incredibly crazy things. 
Amen. <laughs> love, love is crazy. I remember that before my husband and I were like, we were together. I didn't know if he liked me or not, and I liked him. And I kind of talked a little bit at the girls' retreat about this. And um, there's a mountain in, in, well, I call it a mountain, but if you're in, in Medford, people will be like, that's a hill, because technically a mountain is X amount of feet. It feels like a mountain. It's called Table Rock. And Table Rock, a mountain to me is that if you walk 10 steps and you're out of breath, it's a mountain. Anyone else? Okay? So it was a mountain. But it's about a mile up and a mile down. And, um, and, and so before we were together, Riley graciously offered to carry my guitar up the mountain. Now, this wasn't like a ukulele. You know, it's not like the little guy right there. This is this guitar, and, and there was no back strap. There was no backpack. This was carry a heavy case up the mountain to the top of the mountain so that I could lead worship for everybody on the top of the mountain. So he, out of love, carried this guitar all the way up. And I somehow, suddenly, love caused me to be a better climber because normally I'd be out of breath like, (gasps) 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 but suddenly I could keep perfect step with Riley. It was amazing. Like, you want better cardio? Fall in love, okay? Renew your love. It's amazing. And I climbed better those first few months than I ever have climbed up. And we stalked. We, wa- we walked. I didn't stalk him. We walked in, in step. And he carried that guitar so bravely and courageously. I remember we, we uh, were together for two months, and then he had to move away. And it was a three-hour drive away if you drive efficiently. If you don't drive efficiently, it's a little longer. And so for 10 months of our relationship, we were long distance. And so we had come to this determination that we would go like two weeks without seeing each other. We could do this. We, could, we, we were at long distance. We were going to just, we were going to eat it for breakfast. And uh, he was gone for not even, I don't think he was even gone a week. And I'm like, I have to see you. And so I only had a few hours. My brother Johnny, I somehow bribed him into driving up with me. We drove three hours to see Riley for a few hours so I could drive three hours, pick up some friends, and drive another two hours. Because love makes you do crazy things. You will go in a car for hours and hours just to see the one you love for a moment. Can anybody relate? Love for Chick-fil-A will make you do crazy things. It's amazing how love can carry you like nothing else. Love can cause you to have a fresh joy and strength and endurance and stamina. Love is is beautiful. And we see in Revelation that the Lord speaks, Jesus speaks prophetically, and he speaks through John. And he has John write to seven churches, and we, we understand that these seven churches, that they relate to us, that, that each one we hear at the end, to him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And so God is speaking to us. And the first church that, that, that God speaks to is the church of Ephesus. Ephesus was, the church of Ephesus was 
powerful it was. It was a significant church that all the other churches looked to and learned from, and it had great influence. And we see that some 30 years prior to this writing that this church was doing great things. And Paul had written to the church, of the Ephesian church, and they were doing amazing things and they were standing against the culture and they were being used powerfully by the Lord. But some 30 years later, God comes to speak and begins to speak to them to say, listen, I see you and I know you and I know the works you're doing and I see the good things you're doing. But I have something against you and there's something we got to talk about. And it's that in all you're doing and in all you're working and in all you're striving, somewhere you've stopped being carried by love. And you're trying to carry everything on your own and you've lost the heartbeat behind all that I've called you to be. You've lost your first love. You've lost the passion. And then we see... This family, siblings, three siblings, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. And they were dear friends of Jesus. We know that that Lazarus was a dear friend of, of the Lord, and he dies, and Jesus raised him from the dead. He cared deeply for this family, and he comes to their home. We don't meet a lot of people that Jesus goes to their home. Like, talk about the stress, ladies. Jesus is coming over. Make something good for potluck. (laughs) I'd be like, we order and take out. (laughs) And we find, and this morning, I want us to look at these two accounts as we look at someone we know dearly. We know that Martha cared for the Lord. She loved the Lord. She wanted to serve him, but she also would have Jesus speak into her world to to deal with some heart issues and to look at the core and say, what is carrying you? What is the motivation? What is the why behind the what? You know, in any good relationship, I don't have, I have very little relational wisdom. I'm only about two years into marriage, so... If anybody wants to give us wisdom today, please come. We will receive all of it. But I've learned something. There's 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 a a, a term. I don't know if this is just the young the young people saying it or but it's a DTR. Anyone know what DTR is? We need to have a DTR. It means a define the relationship conversation. So before you're in a relationship and you're kind of like, you know. There's like winking happening, and you're like, I need to know if you have a twitch or if that wink means something more. We need to define the wink. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to know, is that wink like creeper status? Or you're about to buy me sushi because it's a big difference. And then as you, you go in your relationship and you're married or, or you're, you're engaged you still have to have define the relationship moments. Is that right? You have to have a moment like, where are we at? We are living in the same world, in the same house, eating the same food, but we are not on the same place. Anyone had those moments? 
a define the relationship, but where are we at? This morning, I think that the Lord would have us have a DTR, define the relationship. Because every person, every human, whether you, you, you've been married or not, you understand that you can do the stuff and not have someone's heart. You can go, you can do the right things and it not be motivated out of love. And so if I could just have us together, we're all in this together, some things God's working in my heart, if we can ask a few questions and define where each one of us is at. Not where we think somebody else is at, like I really think Riley needs to up his love for the Lord game. But I think that God would come to us today and he would say, I see you. I know you. I'm proud of you. But where's your heart? And the first question as we define the relationship is have you stopped being carried by Christ's love? Have you stopped being carried by Christ's love? I love in the book of John, verse 19. Sorry, John 19, verse 16. It says, then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. And carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called the place of the skull. And there they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him. One on either side with Jesus between them. Say, why do you love that verse? It says, Jesus, carrying the cross, he went. I don't know that there is a better picture of being the love of God carrying us. Jesus, carrying that cross, he, he, he modeled to us. He's saying, I love you so much that I'm willing to pay the price for relationship because I love you this much. That Jesus carrying the cross shows us that, that our life was not meant to just have this moment where we see the cross and we say, thank you, Jesus, that is awesome. I'm so thankful for the cross thing. Now, woo, way to go. And uh, he rose again, so thankful for that resurrection. But I'm moving on to loftier things. No, we were meant to always reflect and, and live out of a remembrance of the love of Jesus that carried a cross. That is what carries us through life, is the reality of what Jesus did upon the cross. It's foolishness to the world. It's foolishness to, to our own understanding, but it is what will carry us through every storm and every situation and every season is the cross And the resurrection, that is what love looks like. And there is no season, there is no moment in our life that we suddenly don't need to be carried by the reality of what Jesus did. You know, there's no season that We aren't to be in awe of the sacrifice of Jesus. You know, I've heard it said that um, this is, we always, we always want to grow up into being the superhero. 
But in, the, in our walk with Jesus, we are always dependent upon him, and he always is the superhero. There's no moment where we grow out of our desperation and dependency upon what Christ did on the cross. And the reality that we could never earn our way to salvation, and you're never going to earn. Sometimes we, we get that reality that God saved us by grace, but we stop living in his grace. And I think we have to stop and go, am I being carried? Have I stopped being carried by God's love? Is it enough? You know, you, you, you ever seen that relationship where suddenly someone is unsatisfied in their love They've stopped loving the other person, and now they think, oh, if we get more stuff, and we get a bigger house, and we get a bigger thing, then, then I'm going to be happy in my relationship, and we know that is just disaster. And sometimes we do that with the Lord. As he says, will you just come and sit with me and listen to my voice and stop worrying? And we say, oh, God, I got to do something great for you. I got I, I to do more. I got to be more. I got to go more. I got to see more. I got to love more. I got more, more. He's like, what are you doing? Sometimes I get home, and I've had a crazy day, and I've been, you know, work, both Riley and I work full time, and I get home, and I'm all of a sudden, he's like, hey, it's good to see you. I love you. And I'm like, I got to cook dinner. I got to do this. And, he, and he's like looking at me like, Nat, <laughs> stop. Like, yeah, I like to eat food, but you don't have to. Being with you is enough. And if I'm carried by his love, then I'm not serving him out of fretting and worry and toil and turmoil, but out of a place of, okay, I love you, you love me, and now with pleasure and joy, let's talk while I cook you the meal. It might take 30 minutes longer, but relationship is why I do this. I think the second second question as we define the relationship is is your pursuit of doing more powerful than your pause to thank God for what his love has done for you is my pursuit of doing more powerful than my pause to thank God for what his love has done for me You know, Martha gets a really bad rep. <laughs> but I think I'm more like Martha sometimes than Mary. Some of you came and you were serving so faithfully, and I applaud you. And I know your leaders applaud you. You ever come into church, and you're getting ready for Sunday morning, and you're running around crazy, and there's that one person not serving, and you're like, oh, they need to learn that the Lord is a servant. <laughs> They're like the devil over there, not serving. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you're like, man, Sister Mary's just over there loving the Lord while I'm over here sweeping up her child's messy cr graham crackers. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Anyone else? Or is, I, I, just, I think in Oregon we're a little bit more in need of God's grace and help, okay? <laughs> I'm more, I 
come in and my husband has taught me and is working with me. He's like, hey, Nat, it's about people. Hey, um, you're kind of like freaking out right now. And like, if you don't actually love people, it's not worth it. <laughs> and like, oh, that's a novel idea. Like, love people. That's, thanks, Riley. <laughs> Martha is, we find out that the Bible says she's distracted. And she comes to Jesus, and she's got all these things. And when you look in the Greek, uh, when she comes to the Lord, Jesus speaks to her, and he says, Martha, um, you're worried and you're upset. The Bible says she's distracted. And then when Jesus speaks to her, he says, Martha, why why are you so worried and upset? And when you study these words out, it actually means that Martha was dragging things around. At some point, she was carrying things and not resting in the carrying of God's love of her. And she's, and I think sometimes we walk into church like Martha. And you, got, you see some people, and they're being carried by God's love. And they're doing more than you've ever done, but they've got a smile on their face. You're like, I just, I just the church is asking so much of me. They just care. And you see somebody else, and they're doing 20 more things than you, but they have joy. Is it because they're doing No, it's because they're being carried by the love of God. What they do comes out of the position of understanding what has been done for them. When I look at the cross and I see Jesus carrying the cross, and then somebody asks me to pick up somebody for church, I'm like, that's nothing, because I'm being carried by what he did for me. When I see what's been done for me, the doing is so much easier. And Martha's, Dom's Dom's picking kids up, when I'm, when I, this is Martha. She's coming to Jesus, dragging, Jesus, get her to help me. And she's like, why are you carrying that? Why, what? I'm here, Martha. Mar- My dad, he'll always, if little kids don't look at him, he's like, over here, I'm right here. Come. I wonder if Jesus was like, Martha, I'm right here. Look, look, you don't have to carry that. You're distracted. You're discouraged. You're worried. Your soul is anxious and tied up in knots. Some of you need to just stop. Stop what you're doing and pause. Not stop what you're doing and start looking at anxiety. Not stop what you're doing and look at fear and worry and shame and bondage. You need to stop and you need to get your eyes on Jesus and go, what? He already, he already took my shame. He already took my fear, my bondage, my brokenness. It's already been done. So whatever he asks of me is coming out of a place of what he has done. Not so I can earn his love. Now wonder this morning, did we come in dragging some, some things? Do we come in dragging some baggage and we're feeling heavy laden and burdened And I think this morning we have to hear the voice of Jesus speaking to his people. Come to me. 
Don't come to the idea of me. Don't come to somebody else's relationship with me. Come to me, Jesus, and I will give you rest. You're not going to get more rest because of more vacations. More rest doesn't come just because you watch more TV. Rest comes out of a relationship of what Christ has done in you. He says, come to me, come to Jesus, and there you will find rest for your soul. You will find rest where no, no doctor can fix on the inside of you. No medication can fix on the inside of me. Come to Jesus, and there you will find everything you need, rest for your soul. Come, come, for my burden is easy, and my, or my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And it's that picture of the perfect yoke that fits you exactly. Come. It says that Martha, you guys doing okay? I think we have to pause on this in our doing. Don't forget who we're doing it for. Our lives are meant to come out of a place of rest in Christ. And realize that I'm doing this for you, Lord. I can have joy in vacuuming. I can have joy in serving others. I can have joy because it's for you, God. I'm living for what matters in eternity, not what matters on Instagram or matters to the world around me or if my neighbors think I'm great. I'm living for what matters a hundred billion years from now. So it says that Martha, she came to Jesus. Martha came to Jesus. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. She has postured herself as one of a disciple, ready to listen, ready to to learn, to grow, to have relationship. But Martha says she came to Jesus. And when you look at that word in the Greek, it means she came for a moment. She came near for a moment. Can I just tell us, church, a... Just coming near to Jesus for a moment will not sustain you. Hey, I love you. That's not relationship. Hey, you mean the world to me. She came near to Jesus for a moment. Many of us are thinking, I can do, I can do. I'll just get my Jesus fix, and then I'll get get in and out quick, and that's going to sustain me. If I get my Sunday morning Church of the Living Waters moment, it's going to get me through to next Sunday. That won't work. That's not relationship. That's not real. That will not sustain you. She came near for a moment, and she was gone. And Mary sat ready to hear, ready to be with, ready to see the expressions of Jesus because any friendship, any relationship, you know there's more being said than what's being said. And God wants a church that's ready to hear, that's there just saying, Jesus, I just want to know your heartbeat. We heard prophetically the invitation that That God wants to reveal himself. He wants to speak to us. Some of you, you're you're weary and you're tired and and the Lord is coming to you and he's saying, I want to talk with you. You Not because you have to try to do some fancy dance to earn the love of God. No, it's already been done. Just remember the love that carried a cross 
is the love that's going to carry your family. The love that carried across is the love that's going to carry you through the storms in your marriage. The love that carried across is the love that's going to help you get mid- through midterms. The love that carried the cross is the love that's going to sustain you when you're discouraged. It's going to sustain you when you're weary. It's going to sustain you when you feel like, I don't hear the voice of God, but you know I may not hear right now, but I see a cross and I see an empty tomb and that love will carry me and that love will sustain me and that love will help me get to the next place. I'm not moving. I'm sitting at your feet, Jesus. I might not feel you, but I see you. I might not feel all the ooey gooeys, but I know that your love is going to carry me because I saw the cross and I saw the resurrection. You will carry me through this season. As we start landing this, Christ's love will carry you places that you thought were never possible. It's interesting, every time we meet Mary, she at some point falls to her knees at the feet of Jesus. She runs to him when her brother Lazarus is dead and she falls to her knees. And when Jesus, prior to that, comes to their home and meets with them, Mary's at his knees, on her knees. She's waiting for Jesus. And then we see Mary in John chapter 12 after her brother had been resurrected by Jesus. And we see Mary pouring an expensive ointment over Jesus at his knees. And the Bible says the fragrance filled the room. And there's a few accounts of this. It was the week before Jesus was to be crucified. Mary is pouring this oil, this perfume. And there were critics, and they were like... (laughs) That could have been used to help the poor. That could have been used for something better. And Jesus said this. So she looks like, Mary always seems like the person doing nothing. You're like, Mary, get up. Mary. We're over here, Mary. And, and Mary pours out this ointment on Jesus, and she's being criticized. And Jesus says, she's preparing me for burial. And wherever the gospel is preached, this woman will be told, what she's done will be told, talked about. What's well, not that? Heaven is calling. <laughs> you, don't, you don't hang up. You want to know what will speak to the world louder than anything? is a people who are carried by the love of Jesus. This woman looks ludicrous. She's poured out this ointment. It looks like insanity. And Jesus says, everywhere the gospel is preached. Lady, you don't even know where Fresno, California is. You don't know that there's a land called the United States of America that will be formed. But in that place, at Church of the Living Waters, you will be talked about your act of worship. Because when you are carried by the love of God, it will carry you places you never dreamed possible. It will carry you into situations where people say, how are you so calm, so cool, and so collected? Oh, I'm in love. How come you're not afraid of the world? Oh, because I know my God and he's with me. And I don't have to fear what man can do to me. 
You can't steal my joy. You can't steal my strength. You can't steal my life because I am being carried not by myself. I'm not carrying my distractions, but I'm being carried by the love of Jesus. Thanks for that clap. So the last verse that we'll look at is 1 John 5, 21. It's a simple verse. Many of the New Testament writings, they would end with peace to you, peace be with you, bring my writings, tell this person hi, bye, hello. But John finishes this book, this letter, with these words. He says, dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. In some versions it says keep away from idols and and study it out. And it boils right down to this. Dear children, keep away from anything that would try to take the place that's only reserved for God. And I think that the same word that came to the church of Ephesus and it's coming to you and I as believers saying church have you started carrying on the inside something that was only reserved for God have you started letting worry be the theme of your heart instead of thankfulness for what Christ has done has fear become your anthem or is love and the love of Jesus the declaration that's on your lips church and he, he, he is there anything that you're carrying that is not of the lord because it's amazing when you look at ephesus and jesus comes he says i want you to know i see you you think i don't see you i see you and i'm proud of you you've done a good job you're doing good works you're, you're living the right way but jesus addresses what nobody can see because the world thinks ephesus is okay And the world thinks Martha's doing pretty good. But Jesus says, I see what you're carrying that no one else sees that you're carrying. In Ephesus, I see that in your doing, you forgot who you're doing it for. So I think the Lord comes to you and I and he says, doesn't matter how many times you're on the church schedule. Doesn't even matter how many times you prophesy. Those are good things. I applaud you. would we let the Lord look deeper and say what where's your heart is it my love that's carrying you is it my love that's sustaining you is it my love that when you wake up you just say Jesus thank you thank you Jesus thank you Jesus oh that's for new believers they get all crazy and radical who said that Why can't we get even more full of joy and more full of thankfulness and more in awe of the love of Jesus the more we see him because the more we see him and we know him and we're being changed by him and we should be getting more and more love. I I don't like the whole, oh, you're newlyweds, you love each other so much. Our desire is that we just get more love and more love and more love because the more I know him, the more I love him. And that's human love, but the love of God, it's never ending and it will never fail you and it will carry you through every season every store.
God's place in your heart, any pursuit, any desire, any longing that is reserved for Jesus. So if you would close your eyes, this is what God speaks to the church in Ephesus. He applauds them, then he corrects them, sandwich theory method. And then he says, remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent. Just turn back and do the works you did at first. Live out of a revelation of what's been done for you. Let that be what drives what you do. And this morning, may we remember, may we remember as Jesus broke the bread and he gave the cup of wine and he said, do this in remembrance to remember what he did. Remember where it all began. Remember the moment that the love of Christ broke through and pierced through our hearts in the darkness and the the brokenness. Remember the chains that fell off. Remember his love that set us free. And repent. Just allow the Holy Spirit to show us where we have fallen. And let all that we do look at us and say, wow, they're carried by something different. They're carried by perfect, pure, and holy love.